Tripping with Trip. Did you know, Shirley pointed out yesterday, that each one of those, that that blow that horn thing that they do when they cross over, there's a there's actually a language that they're speaking there. I think it's like three long, two short, three long. Yep. Or it could be vice versa. I've heard, yeah. I've, looking it's into so cool. train hopping and stuff, they say it. Oh, it's train dude, hopping. Dude, dude. And it's they do it for the intersection at Kingsbury and then the one that's just a little further west of it. They have that's to do amazing. it at the crosses. They do. If there was no crosses, we would never, they never blow it. She said that each driver has his own uh, kind of version of that. And All you right. can tell the more kind of playful drivers that All put right. a little spin on it. And then, then the more, there's the more business side. They're like, you, you, they do exactly what they have to do, where it needs to All be right. done. And that's it. Little conductor <laughs> signature there. What is so? What is train hopping? Do people still do that? That's what the hobos did, right? Yeah, but people still do it all the time. Do you know anyone who does it? I've met people that have come through woofing here that do really? it. Really? Yep. No way. Sebastian they... was a guy that had come through here, and he was a train hopper. In fact, he was heading to New Orleans after here in Kingsbury. They have the stop. They do crew changes, so they'll pull off, and one train will stop for up to a couple hours. You hop on, and it's either going from here, it's either going to New Orleans, or it's going out to uh, San Diego, I believe, San Diego, L.A. Whoa. It's the lower line, and uh, his intention fully was to just walk up to Kingsbury and wait for a east-moving train to stop, hop on, and take that into New Orleans, his next stop. But he ended up talking a truck driver, local truck driver, Travis, in town to uh, driving him <laughs> out to New stuff. Orleans. Yeah, so he hitchhiked for the... Uh, the convenience of it that's amazing so are there like open cars or are they between the t- cars or what do they they uh will steal an open box car like the old school <laughs> ones but they'll also do uh in the grainer there's uh little holes on the edge of it you know it's it's got the angle so they can put all the grain down so it, it has these dead spots with these holes drilled or you know cut out of the metal you can climb in there and it's a windbreak and everything and Whoa. Yeah. How far away from New Orleans are we, I wonder? We're seven hours in a car. Yeah. So in a train, if a train's moving 50, uh, you know. Modern day hobos. Modern day hobo. Actually, there's a website, um, Squat the Planet, that is like a forum slash uh, like a Facebook page almost, if you will, for um, train hoppers, people living in your cars, living out of vans. Uh, hitchhiking around the U.S. There's chat rooms for them. There's information for them. There's like, you can call this company and complain that the product wasn't good, and they'll automatically send you a gift card, like ways to get money. Their little hustles, all sorts of stuff. Squattheplanet.com. It's a that's kind of what Airbnb used to be a little bit. Yeah, because um, it was just about couch tripping back then. That yeah. is crazy. I bet yep. you anything in this post-quarantine world or whatever, where people are losing their jobs or thinking twice about, you know, their daily lives, I bet you anything, stuff like that's going to get a little more yeah. action. I can see it. <laughs> the modern-day hobos. The modern-day hobos. We used to have this place, this restaurant in my hometown in New Mexico in Roswell called Hobo Joe's. Did you guys ever have that? No. And it was a picture of, you know, the old school cartoon version of a hobo. Kind of yep. looks like an old clown with the, yeah. carrying the knapsack yep. on the stick. Yep. I never knew that was a real thing. I just thought it was a cartoon character for that 
for that restaurant up all until right. <laughs> you know I, and then I discovered train hopping with all there's a lot of really cool train hopping movies out there mostly like other places like Mexico or India or things like that but people get around in that way and they just live their life like that yeah that's so cool yeah wow. Well, you learn something every day. Yeah, there's YouTube videos of it. Wise Hop is a guy that does it, and he'll kind of show you through YouTube. And I used really? to follow another guy, uh, Stobe the Hobo, who did it. And then he, <laughs> Stobe the Hobo. he actually ended up passing away. Uh, really? This oh, last man. summer or something, I went on Squat the Planet, and they have an obituary section for traveler kids. And I wow. read the news that day that, yeah, he had a... Uh, Stoke the hobo. It's good that he got his stories out then, I guess. Yeah, he has endless amount of YouTube videos of him hopping trains, moving around the country, showing you little towns, getting drunk, and <laughs> doing his amazing. thing. It's pretty fun. This is Jeff, the head farmer and gardener at Habitable Spaces, a.k.a. Jefe, which means chief in Spanish, a.k.a. the shirtless farmer. His constant sense of humor makes it so much fun. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention I catch him sneaking craft Thousand Island dressing to the dinner table from time to time, which is contraband. Jeff is the social vortex of the space and takes new volunteers under his wings and shows them the ropes. If you're city folk visiting for the first time, trips to the river and rope swing are inevitable. He's also a wealth of information on stars and constellations. Long card games, bonfires, and walks through the woods with the gang of dogs are always part of Hefe's mix. He plays a mad ukulele, and it's a hoot and a holler watching him and Bex love the content clown doing their songs together. In the kitchen, he's known as the bread master. He creates loaves in so many amazing flavors, soft on the inside and crunchy on the exterior. Meet Hefe, the head farmer. Who who are you and what do you do? That's a very loaded question, I realize, but try to answer it best you can. Well, I am Jeff Smith, um, raised in Minnesota, and I'm just trying to find a, a place in life where I can do what I feel is right. Um, and what do you do here at Habitable Spaces currently? At Habitable Spaces, I help um, run it in the sense of uh, helping them daily, putting in 30 hours a week, trying to uh, to make this place mm -hmm. the dream that it is. Mm -hmm. um, also have the garden over at Will's that I spend time on. Right. That is um, Homestead Goodness Farm, Homestead right? Goodness, correct. Who's their, their newest collaborator here with all things farming. Yep. So beautiful. Well, right. Doing the farmer's market here in Kingsbury, Texas as well. Um, that's a new thing this year. And uh, This yeah. is quarantine. This started <laughs> with the quarantine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yep. it's a very interesting time that we're, we're interviewing here. Yeah. Will had offered his property for us to grow on. Um, so we went out there and started it and then, yeah, then the whole quarantine happened and we stopped being able to go to the grocery store as freely as we had wished and had a bunch of produce and figured maybe some 
people in town would be interested in going that route instead of the uh, the big grocery stores. And it's worked so far really well. It's succeeded exponentially, hasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. so amazing. To had no idea progress. what we were getting into, but this is, uh, this is way beyond, I think, anything with, we were thinking. Yeah. It's been great. Well, the timing on this was was pretty amazing. I guess you would qualify as the equivalent of a farm manager, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, currently, we have not too many woofers coming through with the coronavirus. We're you know what we should do is rewind and explain what the woofing program is, because you are a very active woofer. Or you All are, right. and that's how you found this place, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, the woof program is worldwide opportunities on organic farming organic farms and uh, it's a program that allows people that are interested in learning the trait of farming and homesteading to get in contact with farms that are looking for people to come out and learn the practice and also help them um, with daily chores and just learn about farming, learn about construction, learn about um, living communally. Learn how to use sawdust toilets so, yep. that don't flush. <laughs> Absolutely. I do uh, septic insulation in Minnesota. In Minnesota. So, so this must have been a really big yeah. transition. <laughs> this is you. a little different. <laughs> That's a little hilarious. Different. We call them, and we don't call them sawdust toilets. We call them stardust toilets. Stardust Don't toilet. forget <laughs> to put your stardust in. Goodness. <laughs> so you came here. You've got a history here. You've passed through here a couple of times. You actually dug the trenches for some of the plumbing here. What was yep. your history with um, habitable spaces? How did um, you get here? I got here in February 15th of 2016. 2016. It was my second wolf Four farm. years ago. This was my second farm I had been to. Um, me, and some, me and two other friends that were traveling at the time were trying to get to Florida, and Florida was not taking us. And we found this place out in Texas, and it looked uh, pretty amazing. So came out here and gave it a try, and uh, we were just blown away with what we found here and Loved Amazing. it. Fell in love right away. And uh, wow. Shane and Allison were great and just kind of hit the ground running here. Was young, full of energy, ready to do anything. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four years ago. That was a long time yes, ago. Yes, it huh? was, man. <laughs> yeah, yes, today was. is May 11th, 2020. We should probably mention we are into the quarantine that far. And so you've visited the farm. How many visits is your shirt? Uh, this is my fourth time. Fourth down. time? Are you kidding yep. me? I had wow. this That's time. Great. I skipped, uh, well, I work in the summer in Minnesota, and then I have my winters free as soon as the ground freezes up there. So I've been traveling south for the last uh, five years just to avoid winter and to learn more about farming. It's kind of my off-time thing I like to do. It's a very cost-efficient way of traveling the U.S. too and seeing everything. Texas, huh? Texas. I had never dreamed I would ever end up in Texas. There was. <laughs> what was your impression before you came, and what's your impression now? Has it oh, changed immensely? I absolutely. Assume. Absolutely. We crossed the Louisiana border into Texas, and the first person we saw, we, were, we said, Howdy, Pilgrim. Just, that, was oh Texas. My God. that was Texas to me. It they was... said this to you. No, I said oh, that to them. to them. I said it to some road worker holding a stop sign, <laughs> like a one way crossing. <laughs> And the adventure begins. And the adventure, you know, you hear about Texas. I don't think I experienced the normal Texas when I got here. Spending a couple months oh, in no, habitable spaces right. were a little oh. different than Texas. 
Yeah, but it was we good. are out in the middle of Red Rural, Texas, in between San Antonio and Austin. And what are the other two smaller cities here? We have uh, Seguin and Lockhart. Um, yeah, and we're two and a half hours away from Houston. In Houston. And then there's, what, San Marcos and what was the San other Marcos one? San Marcos New Braunfels. New Braunfels. Yep. Those are university colleges? or uh, San Marcos is. I know that for sure. Uh, I'm not sure about New Braunfels, um, huh. but San Marcos is. What an authentic Texas experience, yeah. huh? Yeah. And ranching and farming. Right? It's it's very different. The first time I was here, I had just processed some birds at the my first farm, and that was very new to me, but we'd sit around the breakfast table eating breakfast with uh, Shane and Allison and be like, all right, uh, in three days, we're going to have duck. I'm like, oh, cool. She's like, well, so catch the duck. <laughs> process get a it net. and we'll get it and it's like okay all right so this is cooking dinner now um, oh, it was wow. great I, processing like I said, entails what you got to catch the duck well they are much faster than you think uh-huh <laughs> well we just had to yeah, catch, catch the, the mama and her baby because i guess there are snake problems when the babies are yep. first born yeah they're it's snake so season right now it's getting that. so warm Oof, and yeah. they're just little uh as you mentioned, snakes rubbed <laughs> against my leg, and the guineas walked by. And another part of the story is we heard some rustling in the woods behind the fire pit the yeah. other night, and uh, and it wasn't the right kind of rustling. And and turns out there was a rat snake who had snuck under the guinea hen who was sitting on her eggs, and had downed two eggs before we got to yeah. the nest and, um, you know, had to kill the rat snake who had had a total <laughs> fest in the nest. Yep. I mean, we still have eggs left and I hope they last, but wow, there's so yeah. much to know around here. That was the second one. There was a rat snake in the chicken coop. Really? Yeah, I'm sorry to say that you're doing the chicken stuff now. Uh, they opened the chicks. door for some eggs and there was a four or five foot rat snake. In, in. the door part? crawled up the ramp or uh strong enough to push that little door latch up and <gasps> got in there and shane went oh, over and uh God. yeah and my cabin is right there yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right the adventure continues so you're calling your ducks calling mm-hmm. the ducks taking the surplus males out of the population and then we we catch them, which is no easy feat. Throw them in a cage for just a few minutes while we sharpen the axe and then hmm. uh, dip them in 150-degree water, pluck their feathers, and, wow. uh, yeah, That's turn crazy. them into grocery store quality. Wow. Quality. Yeah, high quality here. Yep. Farm, f- farm fresh, um, organic free range. Absolutely. Do I understand this correctly? Other than produce that you raise here, are you vegetarian and kind of non-meat eater? For the farm raised stuff? Yeah, I don't eat processed meat. Right. So I'll eat the meat here. We have a hog that had just been hunted by someone. We catch wild hogs. Um, The ducks. that stuff is good when Allison prepares that. Absolutely. It's delicious. It's an invasive species, too. I mean. Yeah. (laughs) So farm raised meat is much different than uh, industrial farm raised. Yeah. That's a big lesson for a lot of people because a lot of people are now questioning where their meat comes from, what the process is. With the quarantine now, the meat plants have been shut down. So it's like, oh, what are we going to do now type thing. So it's a really interesting time to be talking about this because I think a lot more people are asking, okay, wait, where does this come from and what goes on? What kind of workers does it take? What's the transportation system? Things like that. Absolutely. Um, exactly what you're getting as a product you know they cramp chickens into these super tight buildings 
20,000 birds in a tiny little room. And the birds can't live in that air quality. They, they, you know, they can't do it, so they give them antibiotics. They pump them full of medicine. They give them more drugs so that they're hungrier, so they eat more and grow faster, so they can process them quicker. And it's all about mm. getting a bottom line and a dollar out of it. And yeah. the product at the end of the line, you know, it looks similar, but it's not the same it's at not. all. It's not even yeah. close. And they even breed them to the point that they, they yeah. that certain things go wrong if the if the food supply is cut off or anything like what's what we've been experiencing now, the Absolutely. quarantine has thrown whatever balance that they depend on in the in, in the factory farms out of whack. Yep. Um, and I'm told that a lot of these viruses, like the one that we got from animal to person or whatever, start in these factory farms. This is by far not the first time we've ever Correct. experienced that. And those factory farms are breeding grounds for things like this. Absolutely. Huh. It's not, it's not a that. healthy way of doing it. Mm. Um, it's not at all. What would the differences be between what ranchers would do here locally versus the factory farms? Most of the ranchers here are um, just a middle ground that the calves are a lot of times born in other parts of the country and they're shipped here. And then they're raised here from adolescence till they're ready to be butchered. And then they're moved to a different place altogether. Hmm. Um, that it's very rare for an animal to be born, raised, and then even at that point shipped to a butcher area from the same property. That doesn't happen. They're just shuffling the cards around. This is hmm. not a good place for a lot of the infants, but it's a great place for the middle-aged cows to come here, eat, and be prepared for slaughter. I mean, there's the quality of the meat when you think about factory farming, but then it's also the quality of life that that animal's getting. Like, you know, it's a very hippie thing sometimes to think about, but you know, they have endless amount of hogs right now being euthanized and their meat not even eaten because factory farm has uh, has kind of failed during the COVID times. Yeah, there's a mass euthanasia going on in the yes. U.S. and I'm sure in other countries. Absolutely, and you got to ask yourself, like, you know, what kind of life did that pig have? You know, where it's raised in a barn, not seeing the sun, and just to be executed for nothing. And right. you know, the pigs down here that we have, they've got a good area to run around. They're not all cramped. They, you know, mm -hmm. they're living a good life until. They're getting some good it's table time. scraps, that's getting, for sure. Yes, they are. They're getting after uh, farm market <laughs> scraps, too. They're eating organically free. <laughs> that's crazy. Organic, uh, organic crops. Yeah. Grown locally. They're, that's amazing. <laughs> they eat better than uh, some people in town. Yeah. So you're mainly so learning about um, a lot about what produce and how in the land and the seasons and drought tolerance. Yeah. Things like that. Fencing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fencing is the one <laughs> thing you learn on every over. farm. I had someone ask me when they got here. It was first time woofer. What do I need to do? What's the number one thing I can learn about uh, for next farm? I said fence. Fences. Learn how to build fences. For Wind goats. resistant fencing. I, right? Yeah. Goat resistant fences. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Those guys are chewing at that thing constantly. Yep. You know, just putting the fence on the inside of the T-post <laughs> when you're doing animals so that when they push on it, it doesn't pop off the wires. The little things that you don't think of until it's done, and then they totally take down the fence the next day, and you're back to square one. You're... Oh, yeah, they are smart creatures, aren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. What are some of the transitions you've seen um, here at Habitable Spaces in the four years you've been coming and going? A lot. When I showed up here, I was staying in a tent. 
very <laughs> it was back in the tent days. Yeah, it's so. very humble living area. There was garden hoses running to every building that needed water and extension cords all over the ground with little sticks holding the connections out of the water that was on the ground. Oh, um, <laughs> me and my friend Marty trenched out from the well to all the buildings that needed water and put the piping in. Um, that all got hooked up, turned on two days before we left. So I never even got a shower. Oh, <laughs> my God, after all that work. And, uh, and now there's air conditioner units and yeah quite a few of the buildings and, and a toilet with a urine separator <laughs> a, it's, a, it's just a compost toilet compost um, you know. but yeah it's just it's a little fancy. more designed than the bucket and the whole kind of concept that we have outside <laughs> it's crazy well the good thing is the urine goes into the gray water which irrigates what the plants or yeah it's actually this garden right in front of us it's oh, that yeah? hose oh, running across the driveway there and uh Doing yeah. a good job. Those sunflowers are loving life. Absolutely. Some nitrogen-rich liquid for your oh, plants. Okay. So, so that's why the dishwasher, washing machine, and sinks are all attached Absolutely. To that. Okay, yep. that's fascinating. And blends it all in together so you don't over-nitrogen it or create a smell or anything. That's amazing. It works so well. One of the things I learned on this farm is the inter i guess the interdependency of all the different ecologies and stuff all the droppings from various animals are used for various purposes what are some of those purposes yes yeah, higher nitrogen it's compost it's the animal byproduct and we i mean we on um, not so much on this farm um we haven't taken it from the goats or anything but um uh, in oregon when i was there they put fresh hay down every day for their or not every day every five to ten days take that out and would turn that into compost soil they called it gold gold and uh mm -hmm. it was just really really rich soil that you were getting mm -hmm. after that um great for seed starts yeah and it it looks like will is really good at collecting the cow shit on his farm yep. and and stacking it, aging it, and using it as crops. And I've heard multiple people say, you know what, this produce is heads and shoulders, flavor Absolutely. and quality-wise, above anything I've ever tasted. That's probably a big part of it. It has right? a huge part to play. Um, it's reclaiming the soil. Uh, when we built a garden in the back here, and it looked like what we have out in front of us right now is just rocks, clay, and weeds were having a trouble growing. And we added mushroom compost, we added chicken manure, we added cow manure, went out and collected cow pies for it, mixed it into the soil and just start trying to claim back that soil. And we've made a huge dent in it in just the last two years. And now you can actually have a food forest growing over there where so well maintained and beforehand beautiful. it wouldn't, it's not a possibility. And Will's been doing this for quite a few years out there he's been planting the garden um and then just kind of eating what he could hand out what he could and then the rest kind of just rotted in place which also helps the garden in the future mm, right it's like not raking your leaves in the winter time exactly so mm. he's kind of self-composting it there and yes. that was his great thing this year was to get a farmer's market or a way to get his crops out he's really interested more in feeding the community something healthy yeah then he isn't yeah. making money or anything like that so yeah. money is not his top priority which i appreciate no it's the um, welfare of his community yeah and he's done a really good job it sounds like he's still in the experimental phase so you, i guess you're still kind of like experimenting with what works what doesn't work what's yeah. seasonal you know how to rotate your crops and yeah. things like even that. what our uh 
even with the customers, even with people of Kingsbury and Austin and San Antonio that come out want, um, we don't sell much kale. We sell tons right. of onions and carrots. Yeah. And so the ones of rural America in terms of produce and the urban centers like San Antonio and Austin have been a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Very mm. different. It's figuring out Texas too. Like I've done a lot of woofing in my life, but that gives me farm knowledge to grow in South Carolina, Miami, Florida, Oregon, New Mexico, Wisconsin, um, just, and then Texas. And it's like, all right, now I'm in Texas. Like <laughs> mm, a lot of my Wisconsin information isn't helping me right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. A lot of my South Florida <laughs> information isn't helping me. Yeah. And, you know, you got to learn how to grow out here in the rocks and the clay. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's a challenge. And the heat. Clay. The heat. Oh, yeah. Jeez, the heat. Just getting worse year after year, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there go the guineas. I can hear them in the, the microphone only. <laughs> I love that we're getting all the farm noises where we are. We right. are smack dab in the center of habitable spaces under the grow roof patio. For absolutely. Those who don't know. The garden that you're referring to behind us where you took back the soil. Yep. I'd like to ask you what that means. Um, that is, it, it's an official garden for who? What's oh, it? the Master Gardeners of Texas. Master Gardeners of Texas. Correct. It is very organized and very well cut. Yep. What it is, is to get your Master Gardeners, you need so many hours in a garden that they deem worthy enough. Um, and we made it an annual crop garden for a while. And we had a few Master Gardeners coming out just helping us. And they ended up getting it passed as a Texas Master Gardeners garden. So now people come out here and they can work in this garden and acquire hours toward getting their master gardeners license in Texas. And they say, oh, I know about this plant and this, 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 and we learn something from them. And sometimes they say, what about this? And we don't know. So they look it up. Um, it's just kind of bouncing information off each other. It's two people kind of learning about the plants around us. And yeah, and that increases your knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Everyone yeah, involved. so it's a community. It's part of, you know, exchanging ideas, talking, communicating, see what works, what doesn't, tips, tricks, things like yep, that. Yeah, exactly. So you get to know a lot of the woofers being kind of a bit of a director out here because yep. you're familiar. You're less of a revolving door, more of a permanent fixture, more yeah. so than most. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of person to person. Um you know, not everyone's at the same point when they get here, uh, even if they're our first-time woofer. Try to help them through the program as far as telling them what we expect, you know, 30 hours a week and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We cook dinners most of the time as a community, as a family. Um, that kind of simple household chores and traits that we go through. Other woofers come here with an idea and a knowledge of animals. Um, their parents have had gardens their whole life, so they're little... Uh, more seasoned when it comes to the garden, mm -hmm. but don't know how to run an air nailer when building a wall or, you know, the, the steps and processes it takes to build different structures out here. Yeah. Um, part of the thing I love the most about the farm is wake up one day, you're a construction worker. Next day, you're a gardener. Yeah. <laughs> next day, you're... There's always something to do here. Every single job is so drastically different yeah. from the next. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps it you interesting, I bet, huh? Could be birthing a goat in a yeah. couple of days. You, you never know. know. As no. the, you know, the ducks the other day, you know, possibly the guinea hens, we can save the rest of those eggs. <laughs> we had a first time woofer came out here and uh, Shane and Allison were doing a farm to table dinner in Kingsbury and she stayed back on the farm and I had gone to Mexico for two weeks with my family. 
and I got a call in Mexico of her panicking because a goat was giving birth and she couldn't get a hold of Shane and Allison. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh Talk about uh, a panic deck. Absolutely. She was out here on her own. She was out here on her own. It was like nine o'clock at night. Kudos she heard it, the Bruce. noise came out and it was happening. And that's crazy. from Mexico, I talked her through the process what? of what to do oh and how to go about it. And they actually sold the goat, but you know, you never know what you're going to get into as a first time woofer. I had no idea yeah. what to experience. And yeah. Yeah, I learned well. a, a lot um, processing rabbits and chickens the first time, and right going through. I've shown so you're a lot learning of that all here. Wow. Okay, so you're kind of learning farming in the in the in the midst of all habitable spaces. It's a really yeah. cool thing. Your mom came in here. Oh goodness, yes. Who we call who whose name is Carol? We call it the Carol days. The Carol days. Yeah. And you were talking about when you um, first. Uh, um, decided you were going to like say fuck the nine to five grind and I'm yep. going to like do something different. What was that process like? And what instigate you've had a lot of jobs like before yeah. just doing, you know, like the gas station thing, the delivery thing, like maybe kind of give a little bit of history about what odds and ends. Um, you deciding on this lifestyle. Cause it's not an easy lifestyle. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, you don't make a lot of money. You don't always, you know, eat a whole lot of food. You're, uh, you know, you don't have running water here. It's a pretty major decision for a lot of people. Maybe not for you, but um, no, it was it was a major decision. I looks pretty punk rock. I've had it say. for a while. This desire to just kind of step away from the system. I've always had a desire to kind of get out and do something a little different than the status quo. And I don't know, you know, where that came from or what that was about. But but uh, you also have kind of a bit of an ecumenical background when you were a little more on the religious tip of yep. things which which is really fascinating because you don't put you know the religious folk and the anti-establishment folk in the same category usually right and yeah jesus was one of the more anti-establishment folks in the yeah world, you know? and my friends who i went to college with smu are also pretty anti-establishment and highly you know, I mean, they study it and they've written about it and they majored in it in college. Yeah. And so I have a little bit of a different twist with the religious types because I, you know, I have my yep. hometown who pound your head in to follow the rules. But I also have those who have gone a lot deeper and they get to where where I my version of Jesus was, which is anti-establishment. Yeah. Knocking the tables so. over with it, you know, Absolutely. like. Absolutely. You know, like, no, we're going to yeah. think differently. You don't here. need money. You don't need a house. Just yeah. go. Let the, let the universe take care of you. Yeah, let it's interesting. What led up jump. to that? You're, you're a kid in, what, Minnesota, right? My mom had a garden, but I grew up in cookie gutter residential cookie cutters you get white kid from a nice suburb and the <laughs> you upstate, are jeff smith like, like, blonde hair, blue eyes <laughs> right? like jock looking it's it's amazing to see the nine to five were the, you suburban were you suburbia or yeah kind of jock like you love your baseball yep, absolutely and all your, your sports it's neighbors kid was a starting quarterback and pitcher really? for the baseball team and that's crazy all that three of us were all three of my neighbors were in the same age we all went to the same classes it was everyone in the block was growing up at the same time because everyone got their house and had kids and that was like the american dream that was what i was being raised to do is have my house and my partner my kids and 2.5 kids yeah and then go ahead by a certain age exactly a certain type and that wasn't for me i kind of was against that culture and looked for it in other places and went to religion and 
ended up camping with uh, Sarah and Marty, two of my friends, every weekend for a whole summer. Anytime we had time off together, we would go camping. We'd go deep into the woods everywhere. We would go from state to state just looking for places to camp, new places to hike and uh, enjoy nature, just living off a campfire, cooking our food by the campfire. Amazing. And winter was coming and we didn't want to hunker down for the winter with nine to five (laughs) regular jobs. So I looked up and I saw property in Oregon where you could get a vacant lot on the ocean for $300 a month. And we were like, let's save. We'll park our RV out there and we'll just go through the the whole winter being able to hike and still do what we're doing right now. We don't even have to have jobs. (laughs) So we're getting all ready for this. And one of our other friends skirt the system. Have you guys ever heard of woof? And I'm like, no, what is this? And she's like, well, it's a place you can go. You get free rent, free food. They're off the grid. Usually you learn how to garden, how to process animals and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, like free rent, free food. We can do this for a lot longer and learn how to do it longer uh, and, and better. Exactly. Oh so God, that's so we got cool. on the website or my friend Sarah got on and she looked around and she's like, guys, we need to look into this. This might be the way to do it. We put out a thing. Hey, three kids that have never done this before. We're jumping off into it. You know, who's got us? And South Carolina called us and was like, come on out here. And uh, you guys got a place to park your RV. And we got uh, hogs. We do deer processing down there. They have three acres of garden. Wow. And so we set sail. And I think we took 17 days to get down there, stopping at campsites all along the way. Georgia and Kentucky and Tennessee just... Wow, what a Enjoying great it. way to see the U.S. Yeah, we stayed there for two and a half months. Kind of thought of staying the whole winter, but um, kind of were butting heads with them. They were a little kind of abusive to their animals. They were... Oh, the farmers that In South Carolina, Carolina. yeah. Oh, no. So it wasn't mm. sitting right. I was mm-hmm. trying my best to just appreciate and learn. And, you know, he's done it. I haven't kind of thing, but it didn't sit right. Um, so we looked, and that's when we found Habitable, and just it seemed <laughs> a little nicer. And then we got here, and they were like... On processing day, Allison's holding a duck, and she's like, and just pet it and comfort it and speak words of love to it. And I'm like, this is a 180 from where I just came, where he's like dangling the rabbits over his dogs before it's like, don't do that. (gasps) That's so bad. Oh, my God. Wow. That was just a hillbilly backwoods kind Mm. of Mm -hmm. humans rule, animals drool. You know, kind of rule, it's, a, rule, it's a different that. it's a different mindset of his farming was he was the king. Um, hmm. And here it's like everyone, whether you're a plant, a human or an animal, has a voice and has a purpose. And you yeah. kind of appreciate that. And it's, it's amazing. a very different mindset. But hmm. yeah, then we got yeah. to Habitable and we uh, we stayed here for a while. We ended up running out of money. Allison got me and my friend Marty hooked up in Austin working for South by Southwest excellent so made some money and then from here we went out back on the road to new mexico and stayed in new mexico for a month camping off the grid and uh colorado Mm -hmm. back up through wyoming stayed there for two weeks all the pretty states absolutely uh south uh south dakota met up with a friend stayed for two weeks at his place right on a river and south dakota south dakota (laughs) yeah beautiful uh this was uh right before june Uh, It's the end of May, and it Mm. was just great. I got back into Minnesota and just went right back to work and was like, that's it. I know what I'm doing as soon as the snow falls. Yeah. Next year came around, and I went to southern Florida by myself, and that was my first solo trip. And That's so amazing. So that that was your initiation (laughs) to hear and a whooping kind of a little bit. Yeah. 
That's into so farms cool. too. Like I, hmm. I had no idea. I didn't want to. I just thought, you know, all right, free rent, free food. Like I can travel. Like <laughs> right. we're good. Let's I can have it. campfires at night. Like right that's on. what I'm looking for. I didn't care so much. Um, but then I saw that, you know, you could create your own world like that. And you can see Shane and Allison in habitable spaces. The heart and soul is the farmers. And mm-hmm. then it's just, it grows around it. And I think, I think it's beautiful instead of like a cookie cutter suburban house that I grew up that you don't build on your own. It has no flair of you kind of, you know, you can mm-hmm. put a couple of lawn things out or something for the most part. It has a soul, yeah. but it's a collective soul. Yeah. And that's part of the fun of being a collaborative project. Yeah, this is this has been amazing. The bottle shower house. I mean, just everything about it. Yeah, so, the shower house is so gorgeous. It's so unique and yeah. it's so fun. And I think you know this is kind of the way I've always envisioned living my life is kind of you know my piece of the pie away and get to do what I want to do. Yeah, live it how I what feel. What a departure from your upbringing. Absolutely, what an inspiration, right? Jeez. And I had no idea that I was coming out here. You know. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, if you told me I was going to be a farmer in Texas, I'd have <laughs> laughed. <laughs> I'd have been like, okay. You never know where life's going. Yeah. That's even proved Especially more. now on quarantine, yeah, huh? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I mean, if you think about habitable spaces and where would we be without the WOOF program? And that is doing everything by ourselves and a lot slower. Um, mm. As much as we are able to show people new things educate them show them a great time people love you know their experience here we get so much out of it it's so nice to have help and i think if uh covid stops that for uh for these farms across america that's that's you're losing your workforce so um, i never thought so there's a potential of the of the covid quarantine putting a stop to this i not i don't know if you could ever really stop it i mean all things are possible i suppose but it's definitely put a slowdown. We this is woofer time right now. Um, this is from high February, season, May 11th. Absolutely, yep. Uh, from February to June, we need to get everything done before the heat disallows us from being outside. Um, we normally have five to even there's been thirteen people at the table uh, through these times usually, and right now really? we, we don't have that. Oof, uh, bare bones. So we had to go a few weeks without anyone, which has been, you know, great just because you and I are both new residents here with Shane and Allison. And to be able to figure out, you know, the heartbeat of this farm has been been really good thing. And I think really needed. Mm. But uh, but it's been very slow. We're going to finally get a father and son here in a couple of days. And, you know, we're the two extra hands. I don't know where his child is, his age or what he'll be able to help with. But even the extra hands, I mean, it goes so far. Hmm. You know, you're weeding with one person. If you have two people, it goes twice as far and you're able to talk and communicate. The work's easier. An extra person helping with animals and learning the trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, you'd be able to get so much more done. When they first come in, kind of give them the tour, show them around, tell them a couple things like, hey, every one of our sinks goes to a garden. Don't pour endless amounts of bleach down. There's different things you can get away with in... um, you know, conventional homes that is not going to work out here. So that's the other part of it is talking to them and figuring out, oh, this is your first time. You have no idea what's going on. You've never had a garden in your backyard. Start from the basics. Just see who they are, where they're at on their walk and what you can teach them, what they can teach you and where they're best fit. Um, We've had woofers that 
don't want anything to do with the building, but will love to clean the pantry and stuff and label everything and are organizational. And yeah. that's where you, you got to learn. That's where I've learned over the course of a few farms to figure out what they want to learn and try to help them get them plugged into that. But at the same time, like, what are you good at? It's just plugging in people where they can do the most good and where they want to be. I mean, Mm. Wolf is an educational program. We're not just here trying to get work. It's not just a work exchange. Um, Mm. It is more of you're Mm. here to learn something. Excellent. Got to walk away with the knowledge. Workaway tends to be a little more work exchange, um, Mm -hmm. which is a different, same thing as Wolf kind of, but it's just not pinpointed toward organic farming and homesteading. It's more of a broader brush of just the work exchange program. Yeah. Wow. Well, with the quarantine, we were talking about food systems and the transportation system and everything. What, what do you, do you, have you been able to kind of wrap your head around how our region here in central Texas is going to be affected and what we might do to kind of uh, help people out as farmers? You know, becoming self-sustaining around in our community. And um, here we are, food shortages, COVID, can't go outside. And like, my life hasn't been affected as much. Like, yeah, it's I still rural, go to very rural. I still eat meat. Oh, there's no meat in the grocery store? Well, I don't eat that. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to me. Like, it's, yeah. it doesn't affect me at all. I get my pig and pork through wild hogs. I get... Mm-hmm. Um, beef through will uh ducks chickens goat we we have that we are we're able to kind of carry our own water and we're not relying a hundred percent on someone else to bring us meat you know it's huge we have the garden we have a fridge that's full to bursting you know yeah in there with body parts with, yeah, <laughs> yeah goat legs and other things people laugh when they see that refrigerator it's a farm fridge man animal <laughs> parts yeah it's, it's a farm fridge it's a hunting fridge it's either a smile or a horror <laughs> oh that's <laughs> like yeah it what is, is truly someone called it jeffrey Dahmer's freezer oh goodness <laughs> with people thinking twice about doing farming on their own or breaking off into farming do you have any advice for anyone who might want to do farming on a smaller scale to kind of break off from the system yeah i mean it's so easy it really is really i mean i gosh i just see things happening all the time i'm like oh gosh you know the predators are a really big yeah difficulty the irrigation i see the irrigation as a full-time job around here in texas yep i have a friend in south carolina and she built a farm last year uh built a big garden she's all happy about it had a bunch of water. They got torrential rain from one of the hurricanes that came up, and a little mudslide Oof. took out her entire garden. No. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Everything, like right before it started to produce, oh. she sent a picture, and it was just like, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> welcome to farming. Yeah. <laughs> Big lesson. For uh, sure. You know, wow. but I mean, on a smaller scale, like you said, um, the. The greens was a dollar fifty a scoop for seeds for lettuce, and you saw how much that produced. That was two Jeez. two of Surplus. those rows of of greens. So you're talking seventy five cents. Sprinkle it in a raised bed, hit it with water every other day, and you know, as long as it's not frost outside, you're going to have endless amount of greens that you can eat at your own table that you grew that you were a part of. Mm. That if you wanted to put the chemicals on it, you could make them grow faster and stronger. I didn't, we didn't, and mm-hmm. I didn't see a need for it. And they kind of no. grew fast enough, almost too fast for me. Yeah. To keep up with. And then you'll just start learning. Yeah. Something will go wrong. 
You'll plan for it. You'll stop. Something else will go wrong, and in 20 years, you'll be a pro, and you won't have any problems. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the weeding is a huge pain in the ass, I yeah. have to say. I mean, I'm learning myself. Yep. But, yeah. Um, it's a bit of a backbreaker, it's but some, there's it's some stuff very to inspiring to get all that after all the hard work is done. And now we're laying all that black tarp. I'm just doing the burn holes and putting the plants in there, and that black tarp will stop the weeds. Oh, is that what that's yep. for? Yep, okay, and then we run great. the drip tape line underneath it so that we can water just underneath. When you spray the sprinkler, the hot air out here will steal the water. It evaporates, oh. so some of it gets stolen. Then the rest of it lands on the plant. The plant drinks some, but when that sun comes up, it takes it, and then it sees it on the soil, and it takes it. Oh. And most and of the why... water you've thrown is not even given to the plant. It's given back to the earth. Where Didn't the drip tape, gonna... when it's under, it goes to the plant and the sun can't get it. It's only a very little that gets lost. So you don't need to use as much water and the plant gets more. <laughs> on your question of like, what can you do? I'm, yeah. I'm sure you saw the pictures of Wanda on Art Resident. Oh, yes. Yeah. And talk about a follow-up because she was she. Exactly. Yeah. She was out here for three weeks and then her, um, her husband and her son came out for the last week. And. I got her into making bread, and then we started doing that olive um, garlic bread with oh, her. Man, I'm about to do that tonight. It's amazing. And so she started learning that and saw us making bread and loved how it tasted and how easy and didn't have to go to the store for it. Uh, she was with us when we were plucking that bird, and she went through it. <laughs> she wasn't him. happy about it at all, but she, you know, she her rolled first up her sleeve. Yeah, rolled up her sleeves and got it done. And then, yeah, Amazing. she went back to Florida and she sent us a picture and she dug up her backyard and started a garden and she's and baking beautiful. bread and she's making all sorts of food on her own pancakes and stuff and not buying it from the store. And it's just yeah. like teaching her kid, working with her family. Absolutely. Her absolutely. And if you, financially, if you can supplement your grocery bill by growing it in your backyard i think it's it's good for your mind get out there and do that it's good for your body health wise yeah I think it's man, just, that stuff is good medicine i'm telling is. you in a time when our insurance companies aren't paying squat and we need preventative medicine i think this is the best stuff you can do for absolutely to keep the, doctor away i guess they say absolutely like i you know it's like 56 cents to make one of those loaves of bread i make in there when all is said and done it's so much cheaper it doesn't take that much more and you know exactly what you're putting in your food yes, you know what i mean huge i know that subway got in trouble a few years ago because they were putting the same thing they put in uh the the yoga mats that seemed like styrofoam oh, yoga mat yeah. stuff and to preserve the dead bodies apparently yeah so it's i'm like, guilty of eating somewhere oh I've, I've eaten it too i, I mean, mean it's the healthiest fast food <laughs> if you're not into uh, i don't know how to make that's my a own low meals. bar but yeah it's the healthiest fast food. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, i guess i mean it's got fresh veggies it's you know better than absolutely some. you know I mean, i'm not trying to i'm just i'm just pointing out that like you know exactly what you're doing like you're yeah you're, you yeah. know where your food's coming from and it tastes so much better to me. I guess it's because I hear they have to pick it so early so it doesn't ripen and rot on the way to the stores. And so you don't yeah. get like half the nutrients and flavor you do. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. A lot of it is picked. A lot of the tomatoes are picked green. Mm. My mouth is watering just thinking about <laughs> those tomatoes, actually. But you so put bad. the tomato on, on a windowsill and it'll start to get red. You know, we mm -hmm. picked them early yeah. here before and you just set them out and you let them get red. Mm. And in shipment, that's what they're doing, but they're 
they're losing all that nutrient boost toward the end of it that the plant was going to put on. That's why the on the vine tomatoes are, you know, the choice ones in the grocery store. But when you can, I never knew that when you can pull them right off the vine red, I mean, that has, that has all the nutrients Mm. that was intended for it. That has everything you're going to need, you know, amazing. It's yeah, it's a lot better. I mean, the onions, like we were talking about the other day, they're just, phenomenal mm. you can smell you can, the difference when they're can. being cooked absolutely yeah. um phenomenal hmm. so good stuff you know well this is really exciting well any uh last departing messages well i just want to remind people because some of the links that you talked about um squat the planet.com yep that was the tip of the day um Wise Hop is the is the it's uh, a train, train hopping guy. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's a so W I Z E rabbit hole to go down to. Yeah. What is it again? It's a W I Z E H O P. One Very word. Wise cool. Hop. Yeah. And um, Stobe the Hobo. Stobe the Hobo. S T O B E the Hobo. Uh, R I V. Oh man, you were <laughs> a wealth of information. And then uh, the Woofing program, which uh, is see Woof USA. Woof if you want to be hooked into USA Woof, um, and that is a global opportunity. It is a global opportunity, but more of the international travelers go through Workaway because okay. it allows you to move right. a little freer. Woof is great. I uh, I owe it a lot. I love it. I it's open many many doors to me and showed me around to a world i didn't know existed and uh i'm grateful for it (laughs) and you are a newly uh a ukulele player now huh yeah i bought a ukulele (laughs) when i left when i got to south carolina my first farm i'm like i'm gonna learn an instrument so i bought it and then i carried it around for like four and a half years not doing anything no way just pulling it around the u.s and then i met uh, a girl Bex, Bex Love, who came here and she volunteer played, farmer, volunteer farmer. Mm-hmm. She was a woofer and cool. uh, she played ukulele for a living as a clown on the streets. What I know, oh, God, I have to meet this. She's one. well, she actually stuck in Puerto Rico because of COVID right now, but wow. uh, we think we'll probably get her here. Do um, a little ukulele duet, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we just played ukulele all the time and. <laughs> That finally lit the fire that I was like, all right, you know, I'm all in on this. Like, why not? I'm having fun with it. I enjoy it. The seed was planted and it finally grew. It finally grew. It takes some time. Love it. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, we will look for your um, superstar ukulele album coming out at some point. All right. Thank you, Jeff. And I hope we will continue these sessions. Bye, y'all. Tripping down here without reservations. Without knowing his destination But now he's here but not quite clear Just what he will do Some friends from habitable spaces Said come on over to one of our places So we jumped right into Life on the farm
facing the sky.